Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week in middle school, we continue our series called Atomic, where we are focusing on spiritual practices. Of all the things that the disciples could have asked Jesus about, they asked him specifically to teach them how to pray. Clearly, there was something about the way Jesus prayed and communicated with the Father that the disciples wanted to learn about. If it was important for Jesus and the disciples, it certainly is important for us to spend regular time in prayer. That's why we are talking about the Lord's Prayer today. We hope you enjoy the message. Guys, this is kind of this is kind of the last week of Atomic, uh, at least as far as just regular messages go. I know. No. Stink. Uh, so here's how it's going to work. Today we'll, we'll do like regular message and go small groups and all that good stuff. It'll be kind of normal. Next week, we're still going to have small groups, uh, still like normal time and all that. But instead of the message, we are going to do like some actual practicing of the practices that we've been talking about in this series. So it's going to be a little bit different. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but you'll have to be here to see exactly what it's going to look like. So um, we have been going through this series since the beginning of the year, and we are talking about each week different spiritual habits, practices, uh, disciplines. You can use whatever words you want there. They're kind of interchangeable. But the whole idea is, hey, these are things that we see modeled in the life of Jesus, and we as his people, as his followers, as his brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God, uh, we are called to live out those practices as well. In fact, one way uh, that Matt said it a couple weeks ago in high school, and we kind of picked it up from a church on the other side of the country in Portland, Oregon, is uh, if we want to live or have the life of Jesus, then we actually have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If you want to have the same kind of life that Jesus had, this abundant and full life, then you've got to start implementing or adopting into your own life the lifestyle of Jesus. So that's what we're doing. We're looking at how did Jesus live, what was his lifestyle, and what does it look like for us to do those same things in our life? So we've talked about spending time with God, which is uh, definitely something that Jesus did. We talk about spending time in community, um, and today we're going to talk about spending time in prayer, making it a habit to pray. So you can go ahead and turn into your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Again, I'm, I'm going to keep encouraging you guys, bring your paper Bible, but if you got your, your phone Bible, your digital Bible, just don't let it be a distraction. That's my, my only thing with that. Uh, if it is a distraction, then we're going to have it on the screen. You can put your phone under your chair or turn it off and put it in your pocket, whatever's good for you there. And as you're going to Matthew chapter 6, uh, I want to start this morning by sharing a few stories of prayer, which are, I think, pretty cool. Two of them uh, I just heard recently, and one of them is my own. So the first one goes a little something like this. There was a pastor out in Colorado, and there was an older lady who was uh, in his congregation at his church, and she kept asking him, Pastor, will you please, please go uh, pray for my sister? She's in a nursing home, and uh, she's been in a coma, and at this point she'd been in a coma for almost a year. And the lady kept asking the pastor, and it just wouldn't work out with his schedule, and finally, one day she asked, and he was like, okay, yeah, finally, it's going to work. Like, I can come to the nursing home, see your sister. I'll, I'll pray for her and with her. And this lady, she had at this point been in a coma for a year, and she was older. And so the doctors, you know, were factoring her age in. They were factoring the length of the coma in, and they were basically saying to the family, you know, hey, we're going to do whatever you wish. We'll keep her alive as long as you want. But really, in their minds, they know we're waiting to, to pull the plug on this lady. Like, really kind of sad situation. And, you know, one, they're, they're worried, like, hey, she may never wake up from this coma. Like, there's nothing medically at this point that we can do to help make that happen. But then number two, if she did wake up from the coma, the likelihood that she would have very serious brain injuries was, was extremely high. 
And so this pastor comes in the middle of all this and starts praying for her. And he left the, the first time having prayed for her. And, you know, nothing, nothing crazy happened, but there was something like he just felt this conviction or this like stir kind of in his heart and in his soul to, hey, I'm just going to keep coming back and praying for this lady. And so he kept coming back every single week. He made it a point in his schedule, in his calendar to come back and pray for this lady, go to that nursing home and just kneel beside her bed and, and pray for her and pray for healing. And weeks went by. Uh, months went by, another year went by, a full 52 weeks later went by, and he gets a call one day, and the call is from the people at the nursing home, and then eventually he talks to his sister, and she kind of doubles and confirms it, that what my sister has woken up from two years now at this point, being in a coma, and not only is she awake, but there was no brain injuries, so she was going to be able to live out the rest of her life as, as like a normal human ought to. And the doctors, there's actually articles about this in their local paper and now online that you can go back and read, but they just, they can't do anything but call it a, a miracle. And they, they don't understand, and they're not factoring God in or any of this kind of stuff, but this is one of those stories where they can't help but say, this is miraculous. To be in a coma for two years and wake up, period, is like unheard of, but to wake up and not have any injuries is indeed a miracle. God showed up in a, in a powerful way. The second story is uh, quite in the same vein. It's more about some people who were praying and, uh, or who actually are praying, and it happens every single day, and we may not realize this. You, you probably don't realize this. I didn't know it was happening. But about 40 years ago in a church in South Korea, in Seoul, South Korea, one of the biggest cities in the world and one of the biggest cities, uh, if not the biggest, in South Korea, uh, 40 people were a part of this church. It's called, uh, I'm probably going to mess up the name, but I think it's called Myungsung. Uh, it's a Presbyterian Church in South Korea, and it's, it's extremely big. There's tens of thousands, if not close to 100,000 people who go to this church uh, weekly, call this church home. And 40 people 20 years ago said, what if we got together and we prayed? And we just started meeting daily to have prayer time together and just lift up our requests to the Lord. And 20 years later, that 40 people every single day has turned into around 12,000 people every single day who get up and go to the church and pray. And get this, here's how it works. They have three services of prayer, and it's in the morning. You want to guess the early time? The early prayer service is at 4 o'clock in the morning. There's a 4 o'clock, there's a 5 o'clock, and if you're in the late service, we think our late o'clock, or our, our late is 11 o'clock, our late o'clock service. Uh, their late service for prayer every single day is 6 a.m. So these people are getting up early by the thousands. 12,000 people on average are coming to these prayer meetings. And, and they, they, like if you get there at four, they eventually have to shut the door and say, hey, sorry, we reached capacity. So some people are there at four. And, and they're expecting to get in, but they can't get in until the next service. They have to stand out in the cold. But these people, they don't care. People are standing in line waiting to get inside the doors of this church to pray. Man, like if that doesn't get you jazzed up, I don't know what would. Or maybe make you be like, that seems ungodly to wake up that early period, but then to be doing something that early. I, I kind of agree with you, but they've redeemed the hour at 4 o'clock in the morning, okay, apparently. So that's kind of a cool story. This last one is my own story of prayer. And I have many stories of prayer, but this is one that, that always sticks out to me. And uh, it makes me think of you guys, because it happened when I was in middle school. And some of you have heard, heard this story before, but my family, we, for years, were struggling financially. And we didn't know, you know, how long my dad was going to uh, be able to keep his job. Not anything of his fault, but just we had been burned so many times by him getting let go or companies, new people would come in and buy the company and they would... Uh, 
it would come under new ownership. And we just were always concerned, like, how long is dad going to have this job before things change and things have to change, not just for his job, but in our life. And when I was in middle school, you know, we never were concerned, hey, where's our next meal going to come from? Any of that kind of stuff. Although I know plenty of people who have been there. But there came a point when I was in middle school where we were very concerned about whether or not we were going to get to stay in our house. And at some point, my parents came to me and my sister. She's like uh, about a year and a half younger than me, just so you guys know. And uh, I remember us sitting down at the table, my parents explaining to me what foreclosure was, where my parents were so many payments behind on their house that if they couldn't make the next payment in a month or so, that the bank was going to come and take our house and we'd have to find another place to live. And that's, that's pretty scary. And so for the next few weeks, me and my, my family, we would get together and we would, we would pray together. We would uh, obviously pray separately. I mean, it was very much on my mind. I remember when I was told, like, just keeping it together in front of my family. And then when I got on my bike and rode down the street to tell my friend Billy about it, Billy Weivel, uh, just, just weeping, man. I just was so, so scared, so afraid that we would lose our house. And so, of course, we were going to lift it up in prayer. And we didn't know what the answer was going to be. We didn't know um, where the money was going to come from. My parents were in a lot of debt at this time. And somehow we, we get a call from this church uh, saying that, hey, from the Benevolence Fund, which is a fund here at our church that's meant to help people like my family, we're going to pay your mortgage payments so that your family can stay in the house, which is like, man, that's a miracle. We, we didn't even know that that fund existed, but somebody who had heard our story had contacted the church and asked if there was any way that they could help. And God answered our prayers through the church. Like, man, I... Maybe you've heard stories like this before, and it does something in my heart. Like, my heart gets racing a little faster. Like, man, God is good. Like, he can do some miraculous, crazy things that even doctors who are way smarter than me can't explain, like how people come out of the coma or how how they're healed. Or maybe you've heard stories of other, maybe even more extreme financial situations where God seems to show up and... Or, or maybe you've just heard the, the, about the faithfulness of people like, like the people in South Korea who attend this church and pray in the mornings at, at terrible hours of the morning. And, and maybe it makes you think a little bit differently about prayer or your own prayer life. Or, or maybe it makes you think about how many times you've prayed and God hasn't shown up in the ways that you wanted him to, Right? Like, we know that as much as there's all these cool stories of, man, God shows up and he does it just in time and he saves their life or he does the healing, that there's, there's other stories. I actually just had an uncle pass away two weeks ago that we had been praying for a long time now, years even, that, that his issues with his liver would be done and healed and that God would heal him. And he didn't, at least before he passed away. Maybe now he's experiencing ultimate healing, but... Don't we have a lot of questions like when God, we, we hear stories of God answering prayers for other people, but then he doesn't seem to answer ours. Prayer's a, a complicated thing because we're, we're told that it, it doesn't work like a genie. It doesn't work like a vending machine. We'll talk a little bit more like that in a minute. We, we know that God's not always going to answer prayers in the way that we wish he would. And sometimes that's kind of unsettling. Because we also know, well, that prayer's like a pretty important part of life. God tells us to the scriptures tell us to pray without ceasing. We're called to bring everything to him. We're called to pour out our hearts to him, the really, really good parts and the really, really not so good parts. We're called to pray in a way where we confess things that we're struggling with in our lives. We're called to uh, pray for even the strength just to forgive other people, praying to avoid temptation, things we're gonna read about today. Prayer, there's a lot of things that are going on with prayer, but maybe your relationship with prayer one of the biggest struggles is like, I just don't know if God is showing up. 
And while I don't know all the ins and outs of exactly how God chooses to show up and why he chooses to show up sometimes in really big ways and Otherwise, it doesn't seem like he's there at all. I do know, and we see from the life of Jesus, that prayer, prayer is supposed to be a part of our life. In fact, this is, this is a huge part of, of any relationship, is talking with the other person, having conversations with God. That's really what prayer is. And Jesus did it over and over and over again, so much so that not in this chapter of Matthew, but in Luke chapter 11, if you were to read uh, this, this same prayer, essentially, in Luke chapter 11, the, way, the reason it came about was because the disciples said, hey, Jesus, we'd like to ask you something. And I don't know if, if you've ever thought about this, but if you had one chance to ask Jesus something, what would it be? And maybe it would be like, hey, how'd you do the whole weather controlling thing? Because like we got out of school for a whole week a few weeks ago, and that'd be nice to do again, right? So Jesus, however you control the storms, can I learn to do that with the snow? Maybe that would be one of your questions. Or, hey, Jesus, when people just touch your clothes, they're healed. That's, that's legit. Like I want to I wanna walk up into a hospital and be like, touch my pants, right? Not in like a weird way, but just, just the, the bottom, the, the cuff of my pants, like just, and people are healed everywhere you go. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be kind of awesome. Or Jesus, when you speak, like people actually listen. And sometimes I feel like nobody listens to me. I'm, I'm not speaking from experience or anything. But hey, Lord, can you help me teach like you teach or speak with the authority and the power that you do? Those would be some of my questions, among other things about why the world is the way it is and all that kind of stuff, right? But the disciples... There's not a lot of times where they seem to ask Jesus questions. Maybe a couple of times where they're kind of asking, hey, can you help explain what you were just teaching about? Because we're a little confused and so is the crowd. But this is one of the places where they ask in, in Luke chapter 11, they end up asking Jesus, would you teach us how to control the weather? Nope. Teach us how to heal? Nope. Would you teach us how to pray? They were so taken aback, so amazed, so like dumbfounded by this relationship that he seemed to have with the father, where he only ever did what the father was asking him to do. And how did he know what the father was asking him to do? It was through, through prayer, through this praying without ceasing, through regularly being in connection with what God was, was asking of him. Lord, would you teach us to pray? And that's where we get, because Jesus says, sure, of course. That's where we get the most popular prayer, like period, the Lord's Prayer. It's a prayer that my son, who started playing basketball, I think that they pray it at, at half court now, half of the half court, so I guess fourth court, uh, when they're playing basketball with these four-year-old kids at the YMCA, they still do that. Maybe you prayed it when you were doing sports, or maybe you've prayed it in the church before. Surely you have heard it before if you've spent any time around the church or around Christians. And the, the prayer that maybe we're most familiar with, or the version of it that we're most familiar with, is going to be found for us today in Matthew chapter 6. This is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount which is a pretty awesome uh, sermon that Jesus gave. It's a few chapters of Matthew. You should read it sometime. And this, these are the verses. This is the prayer that we're going to look at today. Well, if prayer is important, even though we don't understand always how it works or always how God chooses to uh, move into our situation or maybe sit back and, uh, and let it play out. Like, we don't know how all that stuff works all the time, but we do know that Jesus prayed a lot. How did he pray? He gives us a, uh, a little template right here. So, our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
That may be, again, the most popular prayer of all time. It is the Lord's Prayer, and it is the way in Luke 11, again, and we also see it here in Matthew chapter 6, that Jesus says, hey, here's how to pray. Probably pretty important to at least consider praying like this in our own prayer time. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend the next couple minutes just kind of talking about each piece of the Lord's Prayer, and then we will be done, and you guys get to talk about it and maybe pray through it in your small group. So how does Jesus instruct us to pray? You can consider how this maybe shapes or affects how you pray in your own prayer life. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here's where Jesus starts, and I think it's important. We don't want to miss it. Again, this is one of the most popular prayers, and so it's probably easy, especially for the first few lines, to just say, okay, our Father who's in heaven, right, we we know who we're praying to. But, But it is just that. It's this recognition of when we pray, knowing who we're praying to. Our Father, our heavenly Father, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed, that's a word that we all use in everyday language, right? It means means holy, holy be your name. Here's what Jesus is getting at. When we pray, do you actually understand who it is that you are praying to? I'm not talking about all the ins and outs, like you know all the answers. You have to know all the answers about who God is before you pray. But I do mean, like when we pray, do you realize you are praying to the creator of the universe who really does hold it all in his hand? And really is powerful enough to step in to any situation that you are asking him to be a part of. Who really does know all the ins and outs and really does know whether the answer to your prayer should be yes, no, or not yet, right? Do we recognize how, how other and set apart and, and perfect, how holy God is that we are talking to? Or, here's, here's the opposite. Here's why I think this is extremely important. is because most of us, we may not have said it this way or thought about it this way, but we are, are quicker to treat God like a genie or a vending machine than keeping his name holy. Hallowed be your name. Our Father who is in heaven, actually recognizing his real place. Here's what I mean by the genie thing. Most of us, when we pray, we pray, we, we, we go to God and we've got some things that we'd like to ask him. God, I know, I know I haven't studied for this test and it's coming up in about 15 seconds, like, right? Like, can you please just give, give me some wisdom? You're, you are wise, Lord. Give me some wisdom, right? Or, uh, Lord, Valentine's Day is just around the corner and you know I've never had a Valentine before. God, they say you are near to the brokenhearted, right? Like, like, give me, give me a Valentine just this year, right? Uh, or, or maybe it's maybe it's your your sports team, and maybe this is what my son was asking yesterday. I don't think so. Here, by the way, here's what my son does when he's on defense. If this is the basketball goal, he's behind the basket at this point. Okay, that's my son's version of playing defense is hiding behind the basketball goal. But he did score his first point of him like actually being on the ground and scoring versus the ref lifting him up and like letting him dunk it. So that was really cute. But, but how many times have you prayed like uh, maybe something like Tim Tebow, which love Tim Tebow. I don't know about everything he says, but uh, like just praying that God would give your team victory, right? Like, Lord, I know all these guys look like Goliath and we look way more like David, uh, but please let us beat these giants that are clearly on a lot of steroids and all the other stuff. But but here's what we're doing a lot of times is we just go straight to God with those, those requests and we are rubbing this lamp hoping that the genie pops out and grants us our three wishes. Again, maybe you've never said that. Or, or 
Maybe it's more like a vending machine where if you've ever been to a vending machine, I know that's not like the thing anymore. Now your phone can just like 3D print your snacks now, right? But, uh, but vending machines, you know, you kind of got to put in, sometimes you have to put in a series of numbers or you just have to push the right number. Like F19 gives me the Fritos. 19, that's a lot of different snacks in that row. But, or like D4 gives me Doritos. Uh, and, and you got to put in the right money. And you, maybe you're thinking, man, if I, if I just say the right thing at the right time, that God's actually going to give me exactly what I want. But Jesus is trying to help us understand from the very beginning of him talking about prayer, no, 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 put God in this proper place. See him for who he really is. Our Father who is in heaven, holy or hallowed be your name. That's, that's huge when we pray, understanding the God that we are praying to. We're not going to spend as much time on every piece of that. I know that was pretty long, but I think that that is extremely important. Verse 10 says, your will, or sorry, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's what Jesus is helping us see. Some of it is what we talked about for many weeks in our heaven and earth series. It's that, hey, God, the, the kingdom is already moving in. God will and is bringing heaven and earth together. God, let it be. Let your will be done. Let, let, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Would you break through? You already are breaking through into this world. Help me be a part of that. Help, help me be a part of little pockets of heaven popping up all over this earth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will, God, not mine. Now, man, I, I don't know about you, but if I approach prayer kind of first recognizing who it is I'm praying to, and second saying, hey, Lord, your will be done, not mine, that may change the next few words that come out of my mouth. Because most of the time when we go to, to prayer, if we are approaching it like a genie or a vending machine, it's like it, it, we're just trying to impose our will on God. Like, no, let my will be done, God. That girl will like me, and she will be a valent me by Valentine, right? She will like that card with a little sucker in it that I'm going to give to her, and she will date me forever, right? Like, no, no, no. God, your will be done. Your will be done. I know it's silly, but some of y'all have been thinking about it for a long time now, okay? You've been waiting. 2022 is your year to get a Valentine date, and uh, what do you, you, don't even, you guys don't go on dates. You're in middle school. And if you do, your mom has to drive, and you sit in the back of the car, and it's really awkward, and... We should do a series on this again. By the way, the summary of the series is don't date in middle school. So um, that's it. That's the one letter. Uh, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. This is where we're coming with our requests for the things that we have need for. And Jesus kind of is, is getting at the things that we have need for today. Like ask God for, ask God to help you with that test. Ask God to, to help put food on the table. Ask, ask God for the things that you have need for in that day, in that moment. But there is, there is also, this is the place here to say, like, hey, the things that are coming up, it's not just about that day, but God, would you, would you be my provider as I move forward? Would you take care of the needs that I and my family have? It's not wrong to ask God for things. But I, I do think that when you realize who he is and you realize what he's up to, it might change at least how you ask him for stuff and most likely change some of what you're asking for too. Verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is something that I know I'm guilty of not doing enough, is asking God for forgiveness. When's the last time, this is not like to make you feel guilty, but really to just ask yourself and check in, when's the last time that you asked, asked God for forgiveness? 
Or maybe the last time you remember is when you actually trusted him to begin with. But this is supposed to be, like Jesus isn't saying, hey, here's the one prayer that you pray one time. No, he's saying this, is, this ought to be a regular part of our lives. And part of that is asking God for forgiveness. That when we mess up and we do it every single day, that we would take those sins and struggles to God, asking for forgiveness, knowing that he is faithful to forgive us. And then the last part of this Obviously, there's a lot we could talk about in these few verses. Verse 13 says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a prayer from the things that are ungodly. God, keep us not not just from evil, but even from temptation. Would you be our guide? Would you be the one that we follow after? We're, We're sheep. We're dumb. We're tempted to jump over cliffs. As soon as we see one of our other little sheep jumping over a cliff, God, help us to stay away from temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When's the last time you prayed for that? Like, Lord, help me to not even get in a situation where that sin is going to pop up. Maybe for some of you, it's more often. But for some of us in this room, we maybe couldn't put our finger on it. Let me ask a couple questions, and then we'll, we'll go to group, go to small groups. What, what does, this is, this is the model that Jesus gives us for prayer, and so maybe you can gauge it against that or gauge against where you wish you were or whatever it may be, but, but what does your prayer life look like lately? Like if you were to look at just the last couple months or even just the, from the beginning of this year, does your, does your prayer look like, well, I kind of pray with my family at meals and I pray when we're praying here at church and I don't know. Sometimes I just throw up a prayer. Man, or, or do you have maybe not quite the same passion as those people in South Korea, but, but man, everything that's on your heart, like you, you can't wait to take it to God. What would it look like for you to, to get there? My other question is, when you pray, what does it look like? Does it look something like this, where you kind of got, well, man, I, I want to put God in his proper place. I want to recognize the things that he's doing and yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask him, some, like, what, what does, your, does your prayer life look like? Do you have any order to it? Or uh, have you even, there's been times in my life where I've journaled my prayers, and part of that's to be able to go back and, and look at what God's doing. There's times I've used flashcards for my prayers, and hey, every flashcard is a different person or a group of people, and I write down their prayer requests on that so that I don't forget them. What, what does your, your prayer life look like? And then let me ask this last question. If, if all of your prayers over the last year, were to be answered. And maybe some of them, like, in the way that you uh, want them to be, maybe some of them uh, more, more likely in the way that God wants them to be, what, what would change in your life? Like, all your prayers, if you, if you let, let's just say you got your wish in, in all the prayers. And, like, whatever you prayed for, God was, was going to grant and make happen. What would be different in your life? For some of us, it's like, man, it'd be a lot of things. Like, I'd have a lot more money. I would have gotten a lot better grades on my test. My team would have been a whole lot better. But I think for most of us in the room, we've kind of stopped asking God for stuff. We kind of have stopped inviting him to show up. Maybe you've kind of stopped praying because he wasn't answering in the way that you thought was a good way. But I think we're meant to come expectant. Like that, that God actually wants to listen to us, that he wants to actually step into our situation, that he wants to actually answer our prayers. So 
what would happen if this next year you prayed like God was actually listening and would actually answer? What would happen? You might not answer the way you think. I, I think uh, a pastor said this a long time ago, and I heard it and it stuck with me, that God's answers to prayer are yes, no, and not yet. It's kind of what it seems to be pretty often in my life. But I think that along the way of, of praying and taking all these things to God, and if you pray 10 times more this year than you did last year, not to say that all your prayers are going to be answered, but I think that something different is going to happen in you. That as you pray in a similar way that Jesus offered for us today, that God will change you from the inside out so that maybe parts of your world can start changing too. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for Jesus and for this question that the disciples asked him. Of all the things they could have asked, it may still not make much sense to us that they wouldn't go towards how do you control the weather or how do you heal people or whatever it might be, but they chose to ask about prayer, and we thank them for that. Jesus, thank you for this example and you as our model of how to pray. Help us to live lives and lives of prayer that look a little bit more like you every single day. We love you. Pray that our time in small groups would be productive as we talk about these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.